at Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sip Pop Writers Room. I'm your host Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And this week I'm joined by Sip Pop editor Robert. Hi, I just realized I forgot to look for a quote while watching the movie. That's like three months in a row. Man, I'm ashamed. I know, I'm uh, sorry. I'm also, I'm also joined by Sip Pop writer Jake. Uh, there you go, there's your quote. <laughs> I'm also just realizing that I wrote Jack in the notes. Not Jack, Jake. <laughs> Mubby. Um, we write for SifPop.com. We do movie reviews, best ever challenges, and lots of other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure to check out the website SifPop.com to keep up with that. Robert has a review dropping very soon, right? Um, on the, on another movie. You just did Banshees. I have two reviews out right now. Banshees and After Sun are both published. Oh, After Sun got published. Cool. Um, I don't know. Rob, I made the graphics early, so Robert publishes them now. Normally I publish them. <laughs> Um, so I know what we publish. <laughs> now I have no clue. <laughs> I know what we publish. I just don't know when we publish. <laughs> anyway, um, so Banshees and uh, After Sun both out. You can read Robert's stuff now. Jake has one coming out this week, uh, but I feel like I also like just made another graphic for you. Um, uh, aside from, of course, doing the animation celebration every month. Yeah, so my most recent, let's see, Trip to Paradise just came out Friday, mm. so you probably did that Got one it. recently. And then, yeah, this week, uh, Tales of the Jedi drops, right. the Jadis podcast are released, and then All Quiet on the Western Front is Friday. So nice. Nice. So plenty of stuff for Jake to, for you to catch Jake on. Um, so... Uh, but that's all on the website, on the podcast today. We're going to talk about a coming attraction. Uh, two of them, actually. We'll give our thoughts on two movies that are hitting theaters this week. Actually, one Netflix and one theaters. Uh, and then we'll move on to the SIF topic. We'll be talking about a potential goat with Night of the Living Dead. Because it's Halloween, Twitter was Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead. And I'm really grateful that Twitter picked a Night of the Living Dead because it is impossible to find Dawn of the Dead. I um, thought it was Nosferatu. Oh, was it? Yeah, I think it was. Oh, that sounds more right. I think maybe Robert and I decided on which one we were going to put in with Nosferatu. That's the only, more... Yeah, the only th- reason I remember is I think I voted for Nosferatu. <laughs> Either way, Dawn of the Dead is an absolute nightmare to find. Um, there's a lot of fun behind the scenes with this franchise. I'll get into it in some of the legacy stuff. Uh, and then we'll explore the B plot when we're done talking about that. We'll um, do a fantasy cast as suggested by Jake, um, which he'll apologize for Sorry. later. And then we'll ra- wrap up with a spinoff. <laughs> Quick recommend or warn for each one of us. But first, let's get a chance to know our writers this week. Um, Robert, you're on the show every month. Jake, you're on the show every periodically, uh, every every schedule. Uh, and um, Robert, I think I asked the same question last year. So I'm going to start with Jake first. Uh, do you have any Halloween traditions or anything that you like to do or anything that you maybe set out to do this year? Uh, no, not really. Ever since, you know, get past the trick-or-treating phase, I really don't do the costumes. Um, 
I've tried to do, you know, maybe a couple horror movies every October, but I'm not a big, like, oh, it's spooky season, time to watch all the, all the horror. Like, the most I do for Halloween is just work-related. I have to run around to different Halloween events for work. So that'll be my next, it started Sunday, and it'll be my next week running around taking pictures of other people. Fun. And that's, <laughs> that's about all I do Halloween-wise. It's all work-related. Good to specify that you're taking pictures of people with costumes, not just taking pictures yeah. of people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, week. no. I, I haven't had the random... I've been doing it for five, five years? No, seven years. I haven't got the, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, stop. What are you taking pictures of? So yeah, yeah. that's that's a rite of passage, but hasn't hasn't happened yet. Nice, uh, Robert. What about you? Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Uh, I haven't really done Halloween consistently for a long time now. Um, I did last year because that's when I still had been growing out my hair for about two years. So I did Will and Elizabeth from Pirates of the Caribbean with my wife. Uh, nice. but other than that, I hadn't, I haven't, or hadn't done Halloween in a while. And I don't. You know, I watch horror movies when they come up. Not, it's not like a seasonal thing like Christmas. That's just really the only time I'm watching, you know, holiday related movies. So, unfortunately, I'm kind of boring when it comes to Halloween. Sure, I um, kind of the same way. I mean, since I got married, like we like to do the cost- costume couples, yeah, couples costume stuff because it's fun. It's something for us to do, and we have pretty boring lives. So, um. <laughs> You know, but like we don't really have many places to wear them out. So like, especially like it gets so cold here in Iowa so fast. Like it's I think the last two years like started to snow like the day before Halloween. And Yuck. it just means like any costume you play and have you have to account for like ability to bundle. So typically we like wear it to somewhere. And then Halloween night, we're just like bundled up in front of a fire drinking beer in the driveway, handing out candy to kids. Um which is great because then like all the adults stop by. They're like, we're going to stay here for 10 minutes because <laughs> you have a fire. And it's like, all right, cool. Um, that's all we do. So um, I, I did watch all the Halloween movies that I haven't seen this year. That was mostly because I got sick. And then I just had like three days of nothing to do. So I benched most of them um, because I also wanted to get around to Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th. And I still think I'm going to just do them around this time of year, but I I just, I don't really do horror that well. So I try to just save it all for a month or two. So whatever. November is still very much like feels like Halloween um, in terms of like weather and atmosphere until you get to like Thanksgiving. So anyway, I have one random question for you, uh, something non-pop culture related to get you guys started. Um, and guys, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like I miss unhinged Foster from last month. So (laughs) I, I want to know, do you have any good jokes for me? (sighs) I've, I've come prepared for one. I've come prepared for one. I can, I can give it while. All right, so there's these three guys that are friends, and they're all traveling in the woods, and they come across this lamp, and they're like, hey, that looks like a genie ramp. You should rub it because ha, 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 ha. And one of them like, all right, fine. And so they rub it. One of them rubs it. And this genie pops out. He's like, whoa, thank, thank you for finally uh, letting me out. You know, normally it's only the person that rubs the lamp, but 
you know what? I'm going to go ahead and just do all three of you because I'm feeling generous today because I've been locked up in that lamp for way too long. So what can I uh, get you guys as a wish? And so uh, they each decide to go. They'll all get one wish, you know, and then they'll all get and then they'll all do their second and they'll all do their third. And so this first guy for his first wish, he says, you know what? I want a billion dollars and boom, a bank receipt with a billion dollars and whatever he already had shows up in his hands. Great. And the second guy goes, you know what? Because this guy likes to show up the first man. He says, all right, so I want uh, to be the richest man in the world. And then boom, he just is, right? And then the third guy says, I wish that my right arm would rotate clockwise for the rest of my life. And the genie's like, fine, whatever. It's your wish. Snap. It's done. So round one is done. Everybody's got their wish. Now comes round two. All right. What can I get you guys? And the first guy, the guy that had the billion dollars, he's like, you know what? What's the point in having all this money if you don't have a hot wife? So I would love like this really gorgeous, attractive, most beautiful woman in the world to be my wife. Boom. Done. And the second guy, again, because he has to one up the guy, he says, you know what? I wish that I had enough attractiveness and charisma that I could get any girl that I wanted. Boom. Done. And the third guy says, I wish that my left arm would rotate counterclockwise for the rest of my life. And the genie's like, all right. There you go. Now comes to round three. And the first guy says, all right, well, if I've already got the money and the woman, like, I don't really know what else I want. So how about just like peace in the Middle East? And the genie is like, all right, great, cool, done. And then the second guy, you know, because he's got a one up him, he says, you know what? Why not stop? Why stop there? Let's go for world peace. Boom. Done. And the third guy says, I wish that my head would nod back and forth for the rest of my life. Done. Genie's like, all right, I'm out of here. Thanks, guys. So the guys go their separate ways. They all have big, fancy lifestyles. And they come together 10 years later for this big reunion, for this reunion for the three of them. They come together at this bar that they all know and love. And the first guy uh, is talking about his experience. You know, he's got the billion dollars and he's got this wife and peace in the Middle East. And he's like, you know, what? I've been able to take that billion dollars and invest it and set up scholarships and, and really help out the community. I've managed to multiply the money. Um, and my wife is great in the bed and she's awesome and, and all that stuff. And I'm just really happy with the impact that I've had on the world. And the second guy is like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm also really happy. I've also been able to invest. I'm richer than I was back 10 years ago. I've also been incredibly charitable. People have built monuments in my name and buildings and all that. And, uh, you know, I've been with a lot of women, by the way, yes, your wife is a freak in the sheets. And, uh, (laughs) and he's like, I'm having just a great life, world peace, everything. Awesome. And then it comes time for the third guy to share his experience. And he just looks at him. He says, guys, I think I messed up. (laughs) I love a good bad joke. That was way too much buildup. Yes, that's the point. Because I get to the end of the joke and you're like, what is the possible application of this going to be? And you're like, nope, he just wasted my time for five minutes. Cool. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that and my wife hates that joke, but everybody else I know loves that joke. <laughs> uh, Who's next? Yeah, uh, I got I got a quick one. Yeah. Um, medical professionals are no longer calling babies who are home at born deliveries because when you have a home birth, it's not delivery; it's DiGiorno. <laughs> That's that's very good. That's 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 pretty good. Solid. 
right. So because I am just so cool, uh, half of my Facebook, <laughs> half of my Facebook posts are um, my uh, my mom's husband and a mom of friends from school. Um, going back and forth and tagging each other in pun wars. So I had to try to find one uh, that would work non-visually. So uh, here we go. The sound from a musician on stage bounces off the auditorium walls to surround the audience. Didn't know if you knew that. The sound from a pigeon on stage does not do this. The reason is acoustics. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, you're welcome, Aaron. I have just taken all the IO off you and put it on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I'd tell that joke again if I could go back. It's great because I just love wasting people's time. That's why I have a podcast. Anyway. Um... <laughs> Let's move on to our coming attractions before this gets really out of hand. Um, Jake, you're our guest this week. Which one do you want to start with? Do you want to talk about All Quiet on the Western Front, or do you want to talk about Pray for the Devil? Uh, let's go All Quiet. All Quiet on the Western Front. This is a remake of the uh, well, a remake of the original film, which is based off of a novel, and I think there's been several other remakes. Anyway, it's it's a it's a well established IP. A young German soldier's terrifying experience and distress during the Western Front, on the Western Front during World War One. This is uh, written and directed by Edward Berger, as uh, two other screenplay writers as well. Th- I think this is should be noticed that this is like German made, right? This mm-hmm. is not Hollywood. Yeah. This is Germany. Um, although it is Daniel Bruhl in one of the biggest titles, so I mean he was a German star before American. So it's like a predominantly German cast. Is this going to be in the German language or English language? Subtitled, I believe. Subtitled. Okay. Um, Yeah. Uh, So uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. This is coming to Netflix uh, on the 28th of October. So coming up this uh, like couple days from the time this launches. Um, what do you guys think about this movie? Uh, Jake, you're writing for the article. Uh, so what do you think about it? Uh, Let's imagine this was theaters, theaters only and budget time. None of that matters. The only thing is your free will. Uh, would you go to check it out in theaters? Would you wait to rent it at home? Would you wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for? Or are you not interested? Uh, I would definitely go to theaters for this one. And I'm a little disappointed i'm not actually going to be able to see it on the big screen because just based off the trailer it seems like it would be one of those films that would that would benefit from a little more scale than i can generate from my television at home sure robert what about you uh i agree with the sentiment about how i would like to go to theaters but even even if i could i unless it was getting like 1917 type of claim I would probably stick with renting it um, mm. because as I've made clear on this podcast before, I just, I don't know. I'm kind of burned out on world war two movies. Sure. This is world war one though. Or world, true. true. <laughs> movies about either world war and Vietnam and Iraq and you know, all that kind of stuff. I feel war like movies, <laughs> but like specifically those that America was involved in, I, 
Mm. Yeah, I'm just kind of burned Uh, out. (laughs) Yeah, I I'm gonna go with Robert on this one, and it's for once. It's not for the same reason. I love war movies, um, and I love like that era. Um, I I remember being shown the original film in high school history class, and I just remember not liking it. now I'm definitely have grown and evolved since then. I think I, I want to say it was eighth grade and like, I don't think these are like, th- that was a movie made for eighth graders. So, um, I, so I want to kind of just be like, I'm really excited to see this movie. I would like to see the original again first, probably not going to happen. Um, but I'm just, I would like to rewatch the original as well as watch this one um, but it's just one of those things that my only experience is I saw the original and I didn't like it very much, but that was like maybe the oldest movie I'd seen at the time. Like I didn't grow up watching, you know, black and white movies or anything like that. And I've, because of this podcast been exposed to a lot, a lot more of this era. So I think maybe I'd appreciate it more, but either way, I'm still very excited for this one, but just given my history, um, I just, I can't really be excited. Um, yeah, if that makes Jumping sense. It totally, both of what you guys said uh, makes sense. And just sort of jumping off sort of something each of you said, I guess I'm more excited than Robert and it makes sense because I do like these movies. I think like 10% of my top 100, I think are World War II movies. And I know this is, I know this is World War One, but that just sort of tells you that's the type of stuff I, I go for. And just sort of, because I'm, I'm debating, I don't know that I have time, I'm debating whether I should see the original before I do the review. I'm leaning, I don't think I will, and I don't think I want to, because one of the other reasons I think this remake makes sense, at least, you know, just from a concept, is um, I think it's one of those films that I think it's going to benefit from being... You know, what was the only one? 1930 or so? so I feel been, like there was also one in the 60s, though. Yeah, so it's been 90 years. I think that's it's one specifically that benefits from more modern filmmaking because you can be a little sure. more visceral than you were maybe uh, during the original. And I also do like it's a German uh, text and just going back and making it a German production in German. I just sort of like that too. So that all helps get me excited. It was a 1979 TV film, an original 1930 film. And I also want to say, uh, Sifop writer Joseph Davis wrote a retrospective for the 1930 movie uh, in preparation of this one coming out. So if you haven't read that, go check it out. It's a nice little piece. I was going to mention Yeah, I was waiting so it didn't influence sort of and, and yeah. anything I was going to say sort of in the remake, but that's, that's definitely on my list to check out. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess this doesn't matter, but I actually did quote unquote, read the book all quiet on the Western front, my freshman year of college. Uh, it was assigned for a history class. And I think uh, if you'll indulge me briefly, I did a, it, it, it was a, the type of thing where the professor said no spark notes allowed. I'll be able to tell if you uh, read the spark notes for this because there's a specific difference between the book and the spark notes. And if you use the spark notes, you get a zero. I read the spark notes anyway. Uh, <laughs> I think I got like a 98 or a hundred on the paper and I just completely omitted the the fact that 
um, he could tell uh, just completely by accident. But I don't remember any of the book, but from what I remember, it was an interesting story. So I will still probably be checking this out. I'm just not, it's not going to be like an opening weekend thing. I'll probably read Jake's review long before I ever get to check out the movie. But I did check out the trailer for the first time in advance of watching the, or in, in advance of recording this podcast. And like you were saying, Jake, it, the cinematography looks great. Um, I completely agree that as a 90 year old book, it's not even like the movie is being remade. The, the book is just being readapted. So like there's yeah. plenty of space to do a, you know, a modern take on it and bring in modern filmmaking sensibilities and just visually it looks great. Um, so I'm sure it'll be very good on that level. Yeah. Sure. Well, and I know obviously it was, I think it's been part of a couple of festivals and it's Germany's, I think it's, it's Germany's oh, official selection. Selection for, for the Oscars. Yeah. So that sort of adds intrigue. Because, you know, I, I haven't seen it, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's probably not going to follow up and win Best Picture again. You never know. But the fact that it's, um, it's a possible international nominee also sort of makes it intrigue. I would be surprised if it doesn't get nominated for best picture. I mean, assuming it turns out well, um, also, but also like, I feel like this movie doesn't really have a lot of contenders yet. I mean, I realize most of the contenders come out in the next two months um, in every year, but I just like, I, I don't know that I feel like there's a movie to me that like maybe the Northman feels like it could be a nomination, like a nominee so far. I mean, I feel like Top Gun Maverick should be, but whether or not it actually is, I mean, they did do Wait, Mad Max Fury Road. You're talking about movies that have come, like just any type of movie that's come out. That's going to be best picture. Like that should, that is in the nominations for this year. Yeah. So you, so you think oh, everything, like... you think everything. I mean, I guess Ban- Banshees just came out and yeah. I guess that's, people, we're starting to get some of those limited releases. Yeah. I yeah people are talking about Banshees, everything everywhere. Top Gun, uh, Fablemans, you know, all that. Like a lot of people have seen the festival stuff already, and yeah. it seems like the a lot of the best pictures already seen, uh, it, being formed. I mean, it already like it's way too early to say any of that stuff, um, especially as non film critics. So um, anyway, it's just like it would, yeah. This this should have some good clout going for going for it in award season. So um, yeah, I'm I, I'll I'm excited to check this one out. Um, should be good, um, and like you said, looks gorgeous. So. Um, especially all the, like even the marketing materials, like the posters are like, oh wow, people actually like, you know, design posters. (laughs) Great. Yeah. Like cinematography and posters as opposed to, or even like I saw the poster for bullet train again recently. I'm like, this is a bad poster. Like (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's, it's cool, but it's doesn't tell you anything about the movie or it tells you Brad Pitt's in it. Anyway. Um, about all you need to know at this point. (laughs) That's true. Uh, and I like bullet train, but anyway, Pray for the Let Devil is our other movie that we'll be talking about this week. This is uh, theaters exclusively coming out. Um, it's this week, it also 20, the 28th. A nun prepares to perform an exorcism and comes face to face with a demonic force uh, with mysterious ties to her past. Uh, let's see. Uh, nobody I recognize in the writers or directors. Daniel Stom directing. He did The Last Exorcism. Yeah, all right, fine. I don't care. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't recognize any of the other people. Let's see, Virginia Madsen. 
Should I recognize anybody else out of the cast? Uh, I didn't recognize anyone, but that doesn't always mean much when it comes to horror movies, especially. Uh, there's a um, the guy who runs the seminary. He looked familiar. Oh, uh, all, all, yeah, uh, Colin Salmon. He's in um the the Double Seven movies. Guys. Yeah, he's yeah. one of the, that guys. He's the oh shoot, what's his name and oh jeez. I think he's in the older 007 movies. Unless he's in the Craig movies, I wouldn't know. Come on, I'm going to find this. I'm going to find it. Where you at, buddy? <laughs> this is wonderful this is podcasting amazing. right yeah. now. He's, uh, in, he's He plays Robinson in like the Bronson era. Great, that was well worth the, the silence. <laughs> Anyway, we've got our team for this week, this month. Last month it was unhinged Foster. Now it's you know long winding tangents. Yeah, now it's From shut Aaron. up, Aaron. Here's a worth it. You be the judge. <laughs> I hope that everybody listening is just like I like Aaron's joke. Um, I know that's not what's going to happen, but that's why I like the joke. <laughs> Pray for the devil. Uh, Robert, let's start with you. Are, you. are you excited to see this? If if so, how much? Let's say streaming for this. Because if this gets some okay buzz, I could watch it. But I don't remember, except for like the first couple Conjuring movies, the last time like a church-based horror movie got any sort of acclaim. <laughs> so, Like one with priests and nuns and all that. Yeah, not. I don't mean like. Well, God, I don't God even dead. think like, did the first Conjuring even have, or was that really more so the second Conjuring? No, first well, Conjuring more so. Than it's been since theater since I've seen yeah. it. Aren't Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson? They're like yeah. church adjacent at least. I guess church adjacent, sure. Um, sure. Uh, Jake, are you excited for this one? No. <laughs> uh, not interested. Uh, I certainly had to sit through the movie. The trailer's enough because it's always showing, and it just looks like run of the mill, every cliche. You know, maybe maybe it's bad marketing, and I'll be, you know, and I'll be surprised. But I need basically everybody I know to tell me that before I get interested. I'm going to side with Robert again. Let's go with streaming. Um, the the big thing that keeps me away from, like, I think there's enough about, like, moments from the trailer that I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Or like, oh, like, that looks scary. Um, I tend to stay away from movies that are any sort of, like, faith adjacent um, in their horror. Um, but I feel like there's the, um, like, there there are horror movies have been good recently. So I've been more excited for them. And I, I want to, I'm, I'm interested in this movie, but also like I was interested in seeing smile and I still haven't seen it by the way, but like at least smile was doing something that we haven't really seen before. I mean, we've seen stuff like that before, but like how, how many exorcism movies have we seen so far? Right. That's kind of my point. Yeah. Like, like if, maybe take this concept, but like if you could take the visuals and the direction of this film and take away the exorcism part, like in the priests and nuns, like I'm significantly more interested just cause I'm like, like this trailer came out in front of Halloween ends and we're like, Oh, it's an exorcist remake. Like, because like there's been those. And I think there's one in the works. I think it's for TV though. 
but it's just yeah. I, I, it's hard for me to get excited about especially horror movies that don't have some sort of like either either franchise establishment like Halloween ends or like unique special something hook. about them yeah yeah and I guess that sort of just that conversation sort of re-cements that I'm just not interested because like you guys are talking about oh tired of all these face 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 we've we've seen this before that's not even my issue it's all the other <laughs> stuff about the trailer and like yeah not interested yeah you're doing the bah jump scares and the, you're showing me the entire trailer which makes me think or the entire movie in the trailer so you're making me think you have no faith in this yeah like, it's just more that all they're doing all the horror tropes regardless of the exorcism thing and I did, yeah. that's fair no. that's fair um all right i think that should pretty much sum up our thoughts we should get moving on to the sift topic um but before we do that we get a chance to promote your guys's stuff uh just people that have been listening if they want to check out more of what you got um jake let's start with you uh, yeah, mostly uh, writing for the site. Um, follow me on Twitter at Jake underscore B-O-U-R-G-E-O-I-S or Letterboxd is just J-B-O-U-R-G-E-O-I-S. I don't have a podcast. The only podcast <laughs> I do is this one. And then occasionally I show up on uh, fellow chef rap writer Shane Canto's YouTube stuff. So we talked. I think it dropped Friday. We talked about Munich for Steven mm. Spielberg. Uh, nice. Stuff. So. Nice. And Robert, your stuff. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Rob's thoughts. And uh, you can follow me on Letterboxd at Robert's thoughts. And of course, you can always go to sifbop.com to see what I have done and what lots of other talented writers have done. Whoop, whoop. Uh, quick reminder, Patreon exists. Patreon.com slash sifbop.wr. Check it out. Anyway. Uh, what if you just say Patreon exists and then moves on? Yeah. Just like didn't say your Patreon, just like Patreon exists. Yeah. Patreon for the show um, <laughs> exists. Yeah, it is kind of my Patreon, my show. Anyway, um, Sif Topic, Night of the Living Dead. Let's talk about this film, uh, a little bit about the film in case you wanted a little bit of history, maybe why we might have picked this. For our GOATS topic, Synopsis, a ragtag group of Pennsylvanians barricade themselves in an old farmhouse to remain safe from a horde of flesh-eating ghouls that are ravaging the east coast of the United States. Directed by George A. Romero, written by John A. Russo and George A. Romero. Um, this is like George A. Romero's, I think, second director credit, but this is you know what he's known for is these, these zombie films, and this is the very first one. Um, so... Uh, if you know the name George Romero or even the of the living dead, this is like of that series that you may have heard of, you know, Dawn of the dead day of the dead land of the dead, any of that. Um, so there's that. This is a 1968 film. You can check it out on HBO max Peacock prime video, Paramount plus stars, Hulu, or pretty much anywhere that videos are streamed, mm-hmm. um, which I know Robert was really happy about. Yes. So uh, <laughs> once something is not like impossible to track down, yeah yeah that's it was it was kind of nice although i owned the criterion because i bought it the sale i think last october uh but I, look i wasn't like i really like the zombie franchise the, like the zombie genre so yeah you know I, I 
was definitely going to check this one out. Is that the MoMA one? The uh, Museum of Modern Art Restoration? Yes. I watched it recorded off TCM, and that was the version they had. Yeah, so it's that restoration. It's mm. showing everywhere. Okay. And then they also have, like, another, like, uh, not, not really restored, like, as a bonus feature called, uh, like, Night of Nemiria or House of Nemiria or something like that. It's a little bit shorter because there's, like, a whole scene lost and there's, like, an alternate opening. But it's not, like, it's, like, an alternate opening, like, text or title or something. I don't know. I, I skimmed it just briefly. Um, like, I fast I watched it on Fast Forward Times 12 or whatever the Xbox <laughs> goes to. Um just to kind of be like, is there anything that I'm like, oh, I definitely don't remember seeing this. So anyway, um, this has a 7.8 on IMDb, an 89 Metacritic score, a 96% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, a 4.0 on Letterboxd. This is the first in the Of Dead Zombieverse. Uh, this, it goes night, then dawn, then day, then land, then diary, then survival. At least I think. Either way, it's those six films. Um, <laughs> there have been several remakes and remasters of this film, um, a couple recuts and stuff like that. Um, so much so that as of 2019, Amazon.com lists editions of Night of the Living Dead numbering 13 on VHS, 130 on DVD, 12 on Blu-ray, 1 on Blu-ray 3D, and 56 on Amazon Video. That was wow. an interesting stat. Um uh, this has a Criterion release in 2018 of a 4K transfer of Museum of Modern Arts, and then it got a proper 4K disc uh, this month, actually, October 2022. Um, so we didn't plan that, but here we go. Do you guys know why there are so many versions of this film available? No, but I'm assuming you do. I do. It's a fun story. So copyright laws are a thing right is this is this a good story you're gonna waste our time yeah there you go yeah. so, copyright, so copyright laws are in place to specifically protect people from redistributing your work and the film has copyright issues on it but the studio that released the film public had the copyright under night of the flesh eaters which is the original title oh, of the film no. and they never changed the copyright to night of the living dead when it got released so it immediately became public domain <laughs> so that's why it's on every streaming service yep and then uh, apparently for dawn of the dead i mentioned it's really impossible to, to get your hands on apparently the rights went over to this one guy that was working on and like a 3d remastering of the film and then he has exclusive rights and apparently like nobody wants the 3d version that he's made, but he has exclusive rights and isn't giving them up until somebody buys his 3d transfer. So he's essentially holding the film hostage. And so they can't print new blu-rays or DVDs or it's not available to stream even to buy anywhere. So someone should just uh, buy this version. then. <laughs> right. That's what I'm thinking. Like it's gotta be worth you know, yeah. Netflix. Yeah. buying right. that guy's version just to be able to like stream the film again anyway um so plenty of turmoil in the behind the scenes right. of this franchise and publication rights as of august 2021 this is the internet archives second most downloaded film with over 3.3 million downloads i checked it is still the most downloaded film uh sorry second most downloaded film behind a film called sex madness which was a like 1933 <laughs> film 
it, I promise I looked it up. Like, it's not what you think. Um, it is a film about sex, <laughs> but like, it's not like explicit or pornographic or anything like that. It's not like Debbie does Dallas, you know, it's, uh... <laughs> so, so, so it's a lot of people thinking it's what we think. I don't think so. It and from my it. understanding, it has like a 2.9 on IMDb. So I wonder if maybe this was a mystery science theater 3000 at some point. Mm. Um, and so people like wanted to watch the original kind of like how Manos hands of fate, like probably would have been forgotten except for MST three K. Um, but there's, um, there, it, it seems to be a film that like, again, in 1933, you weren't really allowed to talk about sex stuff and it's like adults talking about sex. So I feel like it's maybe one of those things that people like are interested in studying to see like, how did they have to talk about it or like how taboo was it or whatever. And anyway, I, so I, I'm interested in the idea of, of the movie or whatever. That's my two theories. I don't actually know, but Sure. Um, it wasn't by much. And then I think the third one was um, the fast and the furious, obviously not the <laughs> Paul Walker, Vin Diesel one, but like the old school, not actually related to the fast and furious at all. So, um, anyway. Um, and then a quote from um, author Barry Keith Grant. He's at slasher films of the seventies and eighties, such as John Carpenter's Halloween, Sean S. Cunningham's Friday the 13th and Wes Craven's a nightmare on Elm street. Oh, much to the original night of the living dead. Um, essentially saying that this is an incredibly influential film that influenced not just the zombie film, but essentially all horrors of the 70s and 80s. So um, do we have any history with this? And if not, why were you excited to watch this? Uh, Robert, let's start with you. Uh, same as always is that I had never seen a George A. Romero film and it's, you know, it's a big name in the cinema world. And yeah, I was just interested to see what it was all about. Uh, I don't think I'd ever seen like a horror movie that was this old. So I wanted to see, I was interested mm. to see what that would be like. Um, yeah. Nice. Um, I grew up watching zombie films. Um, I think, I, I think that the Zack Snyder Dawn of the dead is legitimately excellent. Um, it's awesome and scary and funny and, maybe my favorite Snyder film. Anyway, uh, baby Watchmen. I don't know. It's one of the two. Um, I but, thought it was Batman v Superman. Oh, definitely. My bad. I forgot about Batman v Superman theatrical cut for sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, um, so, uh, but I'd never seen this one. Um, I do think at some point I watched one of the remakes because since this is public domain, there's been several remakes. And I just remember sometime in high school, like, Com- we had Comcast and there was like free on demand and so Night of the Living Dead I was like oh all right cool and I watched it I'm like that sucked um <laughs> I think it was like if if I had to pin it there's a 1990 Tony Todd remake um but there was another one that was like 2006 called uh Night of the Living Dead 3D and obviously it wasn't in 3D but I think that was the one I actually watched um I couldn't tell you uh I really didn't like it um, but I have seen several of the of the dead films. Um, I just hadn't seen this one. And I was excited to partly because I was a fan of the franchise and partly because I was just like, how does this all get started? Um, mm. And I but I really like Robert, your answer of like, how was horror done before, you know, you could really show lots of gore. Right. Um, apparently, I was reading this in the Wikipedia, too, um, that this film released like right before the MPAA was established. So, like, 
anybody could buy a ticket to it. And so, like, Roger Ebert was like, hey, um, parents, please, like, your kids should not yeah. be watching this. Like, like, because, like, this was a very violent thing for the time. Um, right. And, you know, kids could go see horror movies, but he's like, but you've never seen nothing like this. So, anyway, fun fact. Jake, what about you? History with the movie? Excitement on watching this? I mean, you, this was your top, top tier pick for this schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, not never seen it i think i've only seen the dawn of the dead Zack snyder film like in this quote-unquote franchise um but i've been trying to you know catch up on some some classics i've got a lower bar than sort of the the goats that that you guys do it's mostly what's on tcm that looks interesting yeah when i go through to record stuff um but uh, this one was top because I wanted something I hadn't seen before, and a couple of the other polls had stuff I'd seen before, or uh, is just going to be YouTube. So, um, yeah, and I really don't watch a ton of classic horror, really. If I'm doing horror, it's more modern stuff. So even as I tried to catch up on some stuff, I really don't do much horror, so figured this was uh, worth a shot. Sure. Well, uh, let's get into it uh, with our ratings now. Um, Jake, let's start with you. Night of the Living Dead, 1968. Did you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay? I didn't want to go first. I dislike <laughs> this movie. This is, I I don't I don't think this is a good movie. Okay. I, I don't get it. I, I hope you guys like it because I need I need somebody to explain it. To. I I am going to give a very very respectful and very honorable low side of like it. <laughs> Robert, where do you land? I was going to say high side of like it. Okay, uh, it's good. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't love it, but it's it held my attention and it was entertaining, and it felt more modern than I was expecting it to. Yeah, that was really surprising. Um, like my- a- apart from like the quote unquote violence, like when people are getting punched or hit with things, that looks completely fake. But mm-hmm. anything else, like the character interactions and all that, all felt very very modern. And even the cinematography was mm. the biggest highlight of the film for me. I thought it was yeah. like shot incredibly well and did not feel like some of the other stuff that we've had to watch. It, it felt like it could <laughs> that have we've had to watch. Really, like, we, we we and again, that. we watched the best of the best. Like, <laughs> yeah, like eight and a half. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can agree on that. Like I, I didn't like it, but you, I can't, this, film looks gorgeous the way they use the black and white cinematography Mm -hmm. is great i think it shot really well like you said aside from sort of the quote-unquote action yeah um but you know it's 1960 so i I tried to you know eh, what are you gonna do right right yeah and it's fun to hear it's fun to hear guns that sound like you know peas like Yeah. Um, I think, all right. So the reason I want to give it a very respectful low side of liked it, uh, because I I can acknowledge much like all the way back to the good, bad and the ugly episode. 
I can acknowledge and respect the influence that this film had. And that is undeniable. Um, I see, I, I, I of course could see how this redefined the, the zombie franchise. I honestly thought this started the zombie franchise, but it, it didn't. It just reimagined it and reinvigorated it. Uh, and now everything copies the Night of the Living Dead rules. Um, but, or at least a version of them. Sometimes they have fast movers or sometimes have whatever, but like, you know, it's clear to see from the sequels to this, to Zombieland, to The Walking Dead, like everything that's had a zombie in it in the last 50 years has been influenced by this movie. Um, so it's a very respectful, and again, for the cinematography, for the way that it's shot, for for not being afraid to, um, to like make a really slow horror movie. Um, yeah. Like lots of stuff to respect about this movie, but... The reason why I land on the low side of like it is as somebody who has lots of experience with zombie films, um, it, it is painstakingly slow when you have all the experience because I already know going into the movie kind of like what to expect. And I know like, okay, so the way you kill a zombie is you damage it in the head. Um, you either you know, shoot it in the head or you sever the head somehow. And it's because I've seen Shaun of the Dead 80 times and not actually so I've seen Shaun of the Dead a dozen times and I've seen Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead a dozen times and both of them like it's pretty quick that you learn that especially when you're actually introduced to the zombies but like they introduce it quickly so they can move on and this is all about like setting up the rules for this like they don't find out how to kill the zombies because one of the it's things like I was thinking of 75% was, of the way in right because they they have the scene where they go out in the truck to go fuel it up and um the main character what's his name uh, Ben is uh is like still just shooting body shots yeah yeah and then finally once he goes in there's the news report that's like nope you got to sever the head or get the head it's like all right so that like that's not an issue i have anymore because he had no idea so it's just one of those that's why i can't super enjoy my experience with the movie is it the rest of the films run off of rest of zombie films run off of this movie uh but it's just watching this feels like walking yeah like that okay, so expression. Yeah. You you hit on the main thing that I wanted to talk about. Uh and I'll take what you said and run and run with it. Uh, it wasn't even on purpose. <laughs> um and it's and it's that uh typically when we see a movie like this on this podcast where I'm like, oh, I see the influence and I respect it, but it's just like not that special to me. I already like movies like this so even though i've seen it a thousand times i still enjoy it when it's done well so like i i like seeing movies about how crappy and selfish people inherently are and you know how people are out for themselves and at the same time this one builds tension really well and it has great cinematography and the music is really good and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um and to talk about like Shaun of the Dead and The Walking Dead and all that kind of stuff that you mentioned, part of why they're able to go, you know, br- basically hand wave the rules 20 minutes in is because of movies like this. Mm-hmm. Where it's like you've seen a hundred of these movies already. So you know what the rules for zombies are, but we have to establish it anyway. So we're just going to do that and then move past it and say something new and uh, different about zombies or about humanity using the zombies, whatever. Um, but like you said, this is one of the first ones. Uh, that does it and like one of the first big ones and i this what have we done like 
40 plus, no, not 40, because we used to do double episodes. We've done at least 20-something episodes of this show together, me and you. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the first time I can remember being like, all right, I've seen this type of thing done really well, and I know this inspired it, but I still really enjoyed it anyway, and I probably still would have enjoyed it if it came out in 2022. Um, yeah, I just I think it... Um, it works well on its own and not only as like a artifact, if that makes sense. So I, sure. I really enjoyed it for what it was. It, it got better for me. The last 30 minutes I think are great, but that first hour was really slow for me. Um, but I really enjoyed the last 30 mini- and minutes and especially the ending and we'll get there. Um, but I, I also saw something too that like, George A. Romero says that the zombies, which they're not called zombies in the movie, they're called ghouls and but mm-hmm. whatever. It's the terminology that came about from it. He anyway. Um the 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 <clears throat> the villains of the movies aren't the zombies in a lot of these movies. And right. I still felt that they were. Although according to George A. Romero, he's like, they're not. But and maybe it's just that it's a lot more subtle than something like The Walking Dead. Where like, you know, they're like, oh, look at us. The Walking Dead aren't the zombies. <laughs> it's the survivors. And like, yeah, we get it. You were clever in season one and then you weren't anymore. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but it's, it, you know, maybe it's just because that's so ham fisted. I don't know. This was really subtle in that. I mean, like, I definitely get the Harry's response, the father's response to a lot of the things he is a villain of the movie, but he always felt like sort of like just added tension to the zombies. Like the zombies are still the primary threat. And then there's him being like, I got to get the gun away from Ben. Like that's just kind of secondary. Um, so I, I, I guess I disagree. I didn't make the film, so I don't, I don't really get to say what the film is actually about. That's up to the filmmaker, but um, well, that's a debatable point too. That's fair. We could have a whole podcast on that. But, no, um, I'm, I'm just, uh, <laughs> my Amazon Echo is waking. Yeah, up. I, I just, um, I don't, know, I, I just really appreciated the, again, the willingness for it to just kind of like go to a location and just be like, all right, here we are, and then like, yeah. now you have to deal with it, and and there's there's lots of, um, oh shoot. Um, uh, there, there's lots of like it builds into the hysteria because like the family shows up and there's like there's 10,000 of them out there and you're like like but but he's like but there might be and it's like there could there might be you're right like uh and i think the most i've ever seen is maybe like 40 on screen but like they're like five of them flipped a car like so like there is a lot of that like fear of the zombies without actually seeing them like there's not really a safe moment in the movie you know so anyway jake it's been a while since i've heard your voice uh, yeah, I was just gonna. The other positive, I guess, I had was something um, that you guys touched on a little bit, and it's something I'd heard about going in and oh, how it's a big social commentary, mm-hmm. and it does get there in the final third a little more, like you said with the with the dad, and there's you know you get pandemic PTSD flashbacks because you're like ah I've heard those arguments before and I think there is some humans as the villain stuff that it tries to hammer home at the end and that was all fine the problem was by that point I didn't care 
Mm. I was bored. I don't really like any of the characters. Like the character work, I think, is what really kills it for me. Um, cause like they're they're not great. That is, <laughs> that, is that is somewhat interesting, I guess. But like, what did what did you like as as people who liked them? Were there people you could connect? to at all in this it's like no. it's a lot of news position and like one-sided characters that we get throughout the, the whole thing right is- so typically for me i i'll reserve love it for when like i do connect and i'll go to like really like it from when like i think a movie gets its messages across really well so mm-hmm. I think that's what this one does is that it gets a message across really well. Um, and I didn't necessarily connect to any of the characters. So if it was making a social commentary while making me fall in love with the character and like be super sad when they die, then it might've been a love it. But since it only did the former, it was a like it. So I didn't okay. like, like any of the characters in the sense that like I was rooting for them to survive, but I thought they were interesting. And I thought the movie had interesting things to say about them and about the world and about people through the characters. So that's why I really got, liked it. That's fair. I think the the part where the character thing really becomes a problem for me is I don't think any of the characters are really very good. And the worst character in the entire film, I think, is the one they set us up with and we're spending the most time with to get us started. And I think that just sort of took us, took me out of the movie right away and got me. It was like, yeah, because I think Barbara's just annoying. <laughs> she, she annoyed me. She didn't do anything. Uh, and I, I, there was, there was, I think, uh, the 1990 film um, had Barbara actually do more, um, and they commented on like, yeah, Barbara doesn't do anything um, in in the first film. Yeah, so yeah, she was annoying, and yeah, but it, at the same time, like, and it, it, it's product, not, product of its time. It's 1968. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, and it's not just her, but. That's that's the thing. You're like, oh, so I'm like, I can't get into this because it's like, here's a here's a woman character. Look, she's hysterical, and she just sits on the couch and lies there and says Johnny. And it's a 99 move, minute movie where, like, two minutes is just Barbara saying what she did to get here. I know. Yeah what you did (laughs) that was like 30 minutes ago well i like that scene because that that was it like showed how she felt about it you know it revealed character even though she's we just saw her go through it she's been completely silent for like 15 20 minutes at that point so when she was you know relaying i did have that same thought when i was like you could have just started at this scene almost but yeah uh I think it, I think it did then, add more layers. If they did that after establishing that the only way to kill, like that people don't come back as zombies or to kill zombies, is 
to severely injure them in the head. And if they didn't show us Johnny at the beginning, we wouldn't get to see him suffer a massive head injury and then come back and, uh, you know, devour his former sister. So, you know. Yeah. That, that was that was essential. That the guy with the massive head injury turns into a zombie and kills his sister. We needed that in our life after that was established not to be possible. Well, wasn't that only for when they were already a zombie though? I thought I didn't think <sighs> it counted for when they were a human. Like I wasn't thinking on that. Like I knew I was like ninety nine percent sure he was gonna be the I one to kill his sister. I was just angry. Like, how could he do that? At that point, I was already done. I'm like, wait, how could he do that? You just said one of the reasons, one of the ways you can think... kill someone is a head injury, and you specifically showed us him So, getting... all right, I'll defend it a little bit. I think, and again, just based off of other zombie movie knowledge, like, I, I think it... I think Shaun of the Dead describes it the best. You have to either sever the the spinal cord um, to the head, or you have to destroy the brain. It's not like you know when he when he when the brother right. dies in the graveyard. It's it's a relatively light fall. I think I we don't really see it uh, because 1968. But like I think we're supposed to imply that he smashed his head on the gravestone. But I like think so that, too, yeah. That's that that is classified as blunt force trauma but like right. not enough to kill a zombie like you need to destroy the brain you right, need yeah, to that, destroy the brain right if he had gotten shot in the head and then come back it'd be a whole different story but he's like all right he got knocked dead and then he's back it it didn't bother me an ounce well no, it didn't bother uh, me either and like you guys were enjoying it so like it's just one. I, i'm just one of those people where you wanted if, to find more things to hate about it <laughs> no but <laughs> if I'm not enjoying myself, I pick it. I pick stuff out more, and I'm going to be a little more quick. So it's just a, you know, you can. Say. So I want to get back to because you asked Robert and you kind of gave your thought um, about the about these characters, and it's one. It's it's look if if a movie if I can see has this much influence and has like is is a really well told story. That also has really compelling characters. I would easily be in the Levitt camp um, for this movie, but I do think the characters are, are part of the reason why I wound up not liking this, not being in the Levitt camp of this movie. Um, because aside aside from Barbara and Ben, we know maybe one thing about each of the rest of the characters in this movie. Um, sometimes even less than that. <laughs> um, but it's. It's just one of those, I I never was rooting for anybody to live except for the last survivor. And I never cared when anybody died except for the last survivor. Like, that's kind of like, I was just kind of apathetic. And maybe it's just because I know, like, this movie is going to end with a vast majority of these people dying. I've seen a zombie movie. But, um... You know, but I was just the, the characters weren't developed in a way that I cared about them, and like that's that's usually a big problem for me. That's usually like one of my biggest negatives for horror films. Um, so it's it is a big glaring problem for me in this movie. Um, and t- 
despite it not having a very big cast. Like, I think you could have told this, this story with, let's say just four people and it would have been fine. Like, I think let's take Barbara and Ben, like not as our main character. And let's say we follow the Coopers, like, and those are our four main characters and they're driving along and then they encounter zombies and then they, and then they show up at the farmhouse and then there's Barbara and Brad already. Like, is the story better that way? Or is it maybe, even if it's just the two Coopers and you have Barbara and Ben, if it's fewer people, do they maybe have a better, better development cycle? I don't, it's just, I don't think the characters are written very well and I don't know that they are intended to, but I still got, you know, the, the, I still got the dynamics that were at play there. And I, that's, I, I, def- I definitely laughed when, um, when the two kids died because the truck blew up. I was just like, you idiots. But no, but you hit on the right word there. It's the dynamics because I don't know how much you're supposed to. And like, it's, it's not zombie land where you're like growing attached to Woody Harrelson because of his mm. dog slash son and, you know, uh, the sisters and everything. Because I'm I'm looking at the list of the characters here, and I could go one by one and name like a major uh, character trait slash flaw for each of them, and how each one of those things says something specific about humanity in its own unique way. And I think each of these people is supposed to is supposed to more represent an idea than they are, you know, to get you invested in them and care when they die. Um, to me, when Ben gets shot at the end, at the very last, you know, he's the last survivor, that's supposed to be, again, to me, I haven't done much reading about this. Uh, to me, it's like you're more sad about, look, there's no faith in humanity, um, you know, not being just uh, blindly aggressive towards other people, like not uh, giving a second thought. <laughs> Uh, and, and less about like, oh, no, the character that we loved, Ben, is done, you know. Um, right. But so that, I, that's what I yeah. got out of it more. And I really that's what I really dug the most. I think that would have made it better, though, because I it's it's 99 minutes and I would have taken an extra 20 minutes in this particular film to do more development well, so everybody's not so one-dimensional because i think that's one of my major problems is i didn't invest and i didn't care about these characters so why do i care if they live or die what that's it you know yeah and man i i still don't know if you're supposed to care jake i feel like you're playing the role of me on the rest of these ghost episodes because normally i'm the one that's like <laughs> well, and anyway. like well like robert said you know, usually I I sort of feel the same way about this that I know you guys and I think and I do about Citizen Kane. Yeah, great. I can see the influences. It's technically well made. Maybe it gets a little too Dutch angly at parts, but um, but that doesn't make it good for me now sure now, so I, uh, and I agree with you and totally if you're if you're making this movie today you are adding at least 20 minutes of runtime um or you're getting rid of a few characters like it's it's one or the other like they this movie does not get released at 90 minutes um t- today you know um, it might my my guess is that it would be less of the tv ho- tv and radio hosts like doing 
uh, exposition and replacing that with more like care development development and making them more than one dimensional. That, well, that'd in, be in, too, because that just they they keep hitting you over the head with the news position, and I get in that time that's the only way they'd be able to get information on how to but i think showing and not telling if you can find a way to do that that makes it better for me too or you can even just have the cooper show up and they know how to defeat them but they don't have any weapons they just know you got it or, or they're like we're we're outmanned so we know you have to to destroy their head and burn the body that's the only thing we know but like you know it's sean sean of the dead does the same thing it's entirely news position but it's done in a clever creative way it's almost always the background um the changing but, channels that, scene in Shaun of the Dead is one of my favorites ever. It's so good. Um, but the, and then the um, I think as somebody who's seen a lot of the rest of these of the dead movies, they all so none of them are connected, and they're all um, like start at the outbreak, um, and and then follow a completely unique set of survivors and a completely unique set of situations. Um, so they all have to figure it out on, on, on their own. And honestly, I think in most of them, it's news position. Um, and like that, that's fine. But yeah, you're, you're, I understand what you're saying, Jake. And I, I agree with you, but I, I just think I, I'm siding more with Robert. Whereas, especially now that you're, you're talking about it more because, because you said I can pick out a character trait for each of these people and, and what they, what their quality is. Because like you have the the Harry Cooper is kind of that like xenophobic, um, you you know like fear before thinking, fear mongering, fear mongering is kind of what's going for. But he's, he doesn't really lord it over everybody. I mean, he tries to convince his wife, but like it's more so his own paranoia. Um, you have Ben, who's just kind of like the noble like lead, and like you need to save everyone. Yeah, he's like. Yeah, the good guy. Yeah, he's the leader, right? Um, I don't really know what Barbara's would be, um, if I'm being honest, but um, just but, trauma, just like yeah. Well, and Mrs. Cooper would be naivete. I mean, she's like trying to act like everything's normal most of the time, uh, or she's not really worried, or you know, whatever. Like, I, I, I'm starting to see what you're picking up on. It's like I, I said before we started recording that they're they're kind of like cut, cardboard cutout characters, but like. Again, uh, I think more, the more we're talking, be, yeah. the more Robert is, and the more I'm thinking like, man, this is great. Cause every single time I talk with Robert, he just always, I'm like, oh yeah, cool. Like they're supposed to be cardboard cutouts because it is supposed to be obvious. And I still disagree with Jordi Romero's, the zombies aren't the villains, Well, but I do I, like the, th- that Harry is meant to be pretty vague because we all know a Harry and, you know, Mrs. Cooper is pretty vague because we all know Mrs. Cooper, or at least like we all know, like mrs cooper's this area of society or something like that the i think a better comparison than the walking dead for this would almost be game of thrones in a weird way uh with the idea of zombies not being the villains because the 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 villain Hmm. is descent between the humans they need just like just like game of thrones they need to come together to defeat the existential threat in game of thrones it's white walkers and out of the living dead it's the ghouls um, but they can never do that because Harry always wants to get his family down to the safety and isn't listening to reason. And Ben is doing this and uh, safety. Yeah. <laughs> right. And the, the young people are doing that, you know, like they're all, not, they're all listening to themselves when they so, could so easily just like take a breath and work together. Um, just like with 
everyone fighting over the Iron Throne. So that's, that's a good that's comparison. where it works for me. Yeah. Hmm. I like Again, that. like you said, I I can't necessarily relate to any characters. The movie that's coming to mind now is I Am Legend, in a sense that that has something bigger to say, as well as lets you invest in characters because there's a mother and there's and there's a son. You want Will Smith's character uh, to survive and to learn and to open up a bit. Um, you don't really get that in this. So I care I, more I'm about his like dog. That a bit I, I cared more about his dog than I think I cared about any of these characters, all these characters combined. So, <laughs> that, that probably is where that, that works for me and maybe why this, this doesn't. Right, exactly. And, and they have two different goals. Yeah, and it's yeah. not that I don't see where you're coming from. Because yeah. obviously everybody loves this movie. So I realize I'm sort of on an island here. I mean, neither of us love it. We like it. It's a very I like it a lot. Yeah. yeah, but still, that's why I'm like, ah, explain to me what I'm missing here. Because I... I, I know it's a classic and it's beloved, but yeah. to to me it's enti- it's it's almost entirely influenced. I was I was, except I was going to say just high side of okay until Ben dies, and then I was like, all right, that's really interesting. And I was reading Letterboxd reviews as the movie was going along, and people were like that ending though, and I'm like, yeah, everybody dies, great. But it's like, oh, oh, okay. Wait, you were reading the Letterboxd reviews while you were watching the movie? <laughs> Look. As I mentioned, I was a little bored because they were setting up zombie rules that I already knew. I was do- I was trying to figure out how the heck I was going to make this fantasy cast work. So I read like two, I did like two letterboxed reviews, and one of them, one of them said, "Wow, that ending is incredible," and one of them said, "There's a really disturbing kill about twenty minutes between before the end of the movie." And the end of the movie is incredible. And there's a lot in, you know, I was just trying to see what I was trying to gauge. Yeah. Some, sometimes I look at Letterboxd reviews while I'm watching the movie. We get especially it. You look up spoilers movies. while you're watching movies. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, spoilers. You can, everybody dies. Yeah. I don't think you can really spoil this one. Cause you yeah. know, if you've, if you've seen a movie, you've, you know, if you've yeah, seen any movie. Yeah. Well, just like you say, because the influence, like so many things have been influenced by this. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. I was getting real boss baby vibes from this one. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Um, Anything else that we want to say? I'm good. Uh, Very creepy movie. I I will say it. It does that well. Also, it builds its tension and its creepiness well. I'll leave my kind of final thought with I can respect this movie, but it's far from my favorite zombie movie. Um, as far as like straight up zombie movies go, I would say that Dawn of the Dead Snyder version is still my favorite. Um, I will put that on 10 times before I'll put this one on. But like, I still would prefer to watch Zombieland or Shaun of the Dead. Um, cause, but those are kind of mixed genres. They're zombie movies, but they're zomcoms. Um so I, I I respect this movie. I am, you know, I'm not planning on selling this movie. I do plan on watching it in the future. I, uh, um, I'm just not like, um, I'm not over the hill, over the moon about it, but I'm also not, I'm kind of not, not really disappointed, but also a little bit. And I think I'm just not disappointed because since I watched that remake and I already just kind of knew like, oh, they go to a house and 
it's a very slow movie and everybody dies. Like, anyway, um, I don't know where I was going with that. Um, that would, but that would be just be kind of be my last. Like, I'm not gonna sell my copy, but it's not my favorite zombie movie. Jake, what about you? Uh, I think Final I've, thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think I've dug my grave <laughs> deep enough at this point. You can um, still wake up from it, though. Yeah, I I do think <laughs> nice. like we'll we'll get to this teaser for the 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 spinoff. I I think there there are horror movies that do a lot of the try to do a lot of the same things and do them much much better than this movie does. Okay. <sighs> okay. Um. So is this movie a goat? Yes, absolutely. I think influence alone has to put it in this category. Uh, even though I didn't like love, love, love the movie, absolutely, this belongs in the Criterion Collection for its importance and relevance. Yeah, just based on reputation, when it comes up, Criterion when the movie starts, and you're like, "This got a restoration by the Museum of Modern Art," and just based on influence. I'm not going to argue with anybody who says this is a goat. It just didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. Sure. Robert, where does this rank on your list? Number 20, behind Ikiru and in front of Goldfinger. I had this at 33, um, which is above the good, the bad, and the ugly, and below Rocky. You have something, Jake? Yeah, Foster stole my bit. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna do that too. So I think this makes thirty-one that you guys have covered that I've seen, and I'll okay. actually, and I've seen the two that you're covering for the rest of the year. Um, this is uh, right at the bottom for me, below Nightmare. Before Christmas and Rebel Without a Cause. How dare you? Must not have seen Eight and a Half yet. Uh, anyway. Um, that fair point, like the ones I haven't seen, there are a chunk of them that are, I listen to you guys and I'm like, oh, Eight and a Half, I don't need to see that. Oh, I was never really gonna really want to, I never really wanted to see the birds. And you guys basically came out where I think I'd probably come out. So I'll never see that one. It sort of self-selects for stuff you didn't like. So, You know what, now that you say that, I wanted to bring up real quick. I did kind of think of the birds while I was watching Night of the Living Dead. Just like when he falls asleep in the basement and then he wakes up mm. and all the zombies have left. It's kind of like that really... Say what we want about the birds, and we've had a long conversation about it. But I think the ending of that is really well done. The like the eeriness of it's just like very quiet all of a sudden. It reminded me of that a lot. Anyway, it was it was cool. It was a nice. I haven't connection. thought of the birds since as soon as we finished <laughs> recording. When did that one come um, out? So because that, yeah, that was four, two years ago, ago, right? Yeah, five years before. That, that was the first first year first October we did goats. Um, was it? Oh my gosh. I think you it was the birds and doing this for Christmas. one year or ten years, and I would believe you. Well, and like <laughs> I watched Halloween for the first time. That was like a couple weeks ago, and that's one of the ones you guys covered on Goats. And I think that one holds up. If you're gonna do classic horror, I'd go something like that before I do. We might have done Nightmare Before Christmas in December, but anyway. Yeah, I don't remember. Anyway, it does. I sure I could look, but I don't care to look. Um. <laughs> 
It doesn't. It doesn't matter. That's why. It doesn't matter. Um, okay, so uh, on next month's goats, uh, it's just Robert and I, and we'll be talking about Sherlock Junior. Um, last I checked, I think that's available on Prime. That's the one with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, 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 that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, this will be our first, the second, first Buster Keaton, right? Yeah, we did a Chaplin. We did the kid. I don't think we've done Buster Keaton. Uh, I think you didn't. You guys do the general. I, I no, it, the general was the other option for Sherlock uh, Jr. I and it was, was barely beaten out. I remember that was like a fifty-one forty-nine poll. It's almost time to do new polls, isn't it? It's a getting there. Too. Yeah. Yeah, in the new schedule for the next. Month. Oh, we'll get it. We'll get around to it soon. Yeah. Have the poll go live, maybe early December. Are you um, sure? Because I think I copied the. Yeah, we definitely haven't done the general. Okay. Yeah, no, the general was the option against Sherlock Jr. Uh, Robert, let's make that our B plot next month. We'll uh, we'll create brackets for the January to June next. Okay, year. cool. So there you go. Everybody knows what they'll be in. If you have something that you want us to put to consider yeah, for our brackets, um, reply on the Twitter post of this episode of stuff that you would like us to consider um, adding to the goats polls. So. Um, Maybe we could add that, that to the tweet too for people who didn't <laughs> listen this far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good. So, um, there we go. Uh, so next month, just Robert and I will talk about Sherlock Junior. and we'll set up brackets for uh, the next six months of Goats films. Um, that cool. takes us to the B plot. So we're gonna fantasy cast a, a new one of Night of the Living Dead. We'll go character by character. Um, let's. Uh, let's do this order. Let's do. Um, we'll go in order from liked it to most to least. So it'll go Robert, me, and then Jake. You'll round us off, um, and and then at the end we'll get a chance to read our whole cast. Um, uh, but Robert, um, you're Barbara. So I tried to go with uh, actors you might not expect for these roles. So I actually went with Bonnie Wright, who plays Jenny Weasley in the Harry Potter movies for this. Okay. Um. Yeah, I her basically catatonic state of, you know, post-traumatic stress throughout most of this movie just kind of reminded me of Bonnie Wright when she was like 12 years old in the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just I'd like to see her acting again, see how that would work out. OK, uh, for my Barbara, I picked Millie Alcock from the House of the Dragon. She's young Renera. Um be- again, because when I put this together, I was just like, a lot of these characters are relatively one note. So just who could be young leading female um, that ideally has more to do um, and could, you know, be a person capable of, of doing that. So I picked her. Um, Jake. Yeah, uh, I wanted to. I that's when I did this fantasy cast. Sort of coming in, I had two sort of people that I was gonna put in this no matter what, because I'd like to see them in a horror film together. And they're, you know, the two young female characters who really don't get a lot to do. So one of the things that'll be a big part of my writing is they're gonna get. Everybody's gonna, they're gonna get a little more fleshed out. So I went with, uh, my friend. I went with Sadie Sink, uh, for my Barbara. So, oh, from is that what Stranger Things? 
from Stranger Things. He plays Max from Stranger Things. Okay. A little young, but like, yeah, okay. I went, I went younger. That's with okay. My, um, which did cause a problem with my time, but we'll, we'll get to that. I, yeah. I had to pivot because I, I had an idea that I liked, and then I looked at the ages, and I said, okay, can't do that anymore. So. Yeah, I try to just more loosely stick to that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Uh, okay, so then our Ben. Who is Ben? Robert. Oh, Ben, I did. I, for, I forgot that you did Barb already. Uh, for Ben, I did Alfie Enoch, who plays Dean Thomas in the Harry Potter movies. Um, Are they all Harry Potter? <laughs> I was just going to ask the same thing. Are we getting the band back um, yeah, so that these my first two <laughs> guests are actually part of the ongoing bit. I I have I have two two casts. I have one uniquely made up of actors from Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which is the best Harry Potter movie. Uh, and then I actually yeah. have a, a whole other cast. Um, Nick. Okay. <laughs> Well then, <laughs> much much better long form joke than started off this podcast. That's fantastic. So amazing. If, if you'll if you'll indulge me, I I just want to go back to Barb real quick and say my actual answer. Um, and and I'll do my actual cast going forward. My actual answer for Barb is uh, Juno Temple, who I think fits really well. Um, oh yeah, she. I don't know. She has a really small role in Dark Knight Rises, but I think that shows what this shows and uh, an atonement. I know we've Aaron and I, we've talked about that before. And I don't think you've seen it yet. Have you? No. Um, and then for Ben, I was uh, William Jackson Harper, GD from The Good Place. I think. Yeah. Like he would be perfect for that role. Yeah. Um, you Juno Temple, like Ted Lasso Juno Temple. <laughs> Okay, I just don't recognize her from what the thing because I haven't seen um, Atonement. She's really young in Atonement, and I was thinking of her like thirty-five second role in uh, The Dark Knight Rises, where she's Catwoman's girlfriend or roommate or whatever. Well, and I don't remember her from Dark Knight Rises, so that's how I was. She's like, like, was she? (laughs) Um, What did she say? Never mind. I'm not gonna remember. It doesn't matter. Uh, no, I really like those picks. Um, oh, she, she goes, okay, so the for Storm ben, is coming, remember? <laughs> it's like a really weird and cringy scene. Amazing. Uh, like all scenes from Dark Knight Rises. Anyway, um, all right, so so what I was trying to go for Ben was kind of this like gentle giant kind of vibe because um, he kind of is. Like he never has any intention of hurting any of the humans, uh, but also like he is like is able to hold his own in a fight. And I, I ultimately like didn't really worry about races or for the most part age um, in, in the cast, but I feel like this one specifically has to be um, of black ethnicity just cause like, I think it really punctuates that ending. Um, mm. Especially at the like, time of, yeah. Like, yeah. And, and again, to have a black lead in a 1968 film, like that's, quite the accomplishment um but i i think yeah again there's there's a lot extra so it's not just the death of society it's it's also you have to question would the officer have thought twice if it was a white person in the window 
Like you have to question that. So um, I think it's important that you have that. So uh, I went with Brian Tyree Henry. Um, he's right. kind of that gentle yeah. giant. Giant. Um, I love I was Brian thinking, Tyree Henry. I was thinking of him in um, Bullet Train. Like he kind of has that. Mm. Um, although, again, most of his roles are kind of, kind of like this. So that that's why I went with. Um, Jake, who do you have? So my first thought was John Boyega, just with the him having done the attack the block uh, earlier, which I haven't seen, but um, sort of same sort of doing the sci-fi already. But he's Ben's got some sort of intense moments, and so my mind then shifted to um, Jonathan Majors. Because, mm-hmm. um, like you said, he's got some of the physicality that you need. And there's a documentary that nobody else has seen. I think it's like the five speeches of Frederick Douglass. And like he, Jonathan Majors gives like an amazing, intense performance just reading off one of these speeches. So um, that was what popped into my head. And so when he's got to give some of these more impassioned uh, moments that I think he can handle that really well. Sure. Uh, all right. That'll take us to Harry Cooper. This is the dad of the family that shows up. Um, who do you have Robert? Uh, I aged him down just a bit, but I actually have Toby McGuire. Um, I'm thinking of his performance in mm. brothers um, where he just like goes okay. insane. And uh, yeah, I think he could channel some of that energy. Okay. And some of um, his angry Peter Parker. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I aged Harry Cooper up or down slightly. Um, I picked Nicolas Cage. Um, that because seems about of his right. crazy yeah. in every movie. <laughs> um, no, I just, I just kind of thought like it would be fun to have him in this kind of role, and I mean, he wouldn't be as subtle in it. But like, I also think like. Nicolas Cage is legitimately a really good actor. I mean, remember he's an Oscar winner and he has legitimately excellent performances and adaptation and, um, national treasure. I, <laughs> I mean, I like him in national treasure. I wouldn't call it yeah. excellent performance, right. but like, um, he's really good and unbearable way to massive talent. Like there's like, he's, he's great in face off for what he needs to do in face off. Um, so, uh, but like, I just kind of thought like that would be fun. You know, to have to have yeah. Nicholas Cage in this role. So Nikki C. Uh, Jake, who do you have? So this one will make a little more sense uh, when we get to the next one because it was sort of reverse cast based on my Mrs. Cooper. But I do sort of like that it sort of plays against type. I think for this sort of actor, I'm going Brad. Pit, uh, oh, wow. with this one because we don't really he's sort of flubby and not likable and that's not really brad pitt and i just think that'd be interesting he can be though like did a, brad pitt's kind Cruise of a chameleon like Thunder there are definitely movies makeup. where he's unlikable yeah okay yeah, I don't know. That that was just, you know, he 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 can dial up the charisma so much. I just thought it's interesting to sort of have him reverse it. And go sure. It. And like I said, it was more, you know, fantasy casting against Mrs. Cooper. So. Sure. Uh, 
Uh, all right, Robert. Who is your counterpart to your Harry Cooper? Who is your Mrs. Cooper? Uh, I have Anne Hathaway here. That's mostly just because I saw a resemblance between the two actresses. And, and I think Anne Hathaway is a great actress most of the time. So, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. So Anne Hathaway being paired. I already forgot With who Toby your is. Um, <laughs> Toby McGuire, right. All right, I buy it. Uh, paired with my Nicolas Cage as Harry Cooper, my Mrs. Cooper is the Scream Queen herself, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, I thought about casting her, but I couldn't find a role that I, you know, as like the newscaster, so she's like giving exposition or one of the other. But, but eh, I. This is I this is my kind of like. This is my like legacy role in this movie, like the one where you're just like, if you're remaking what is why what what is one of the most influential films of all time, you put somebody who is influential in this genre, mm-hmm. and you just and you give them a role like that. That was kind of my like main thing because again, when when I made this cast, I was just like, these are all kind of like characters that really anybody can do. Um, so, so your couple is yep. Nicholas Cage and Jamie Lee Curtis. Yep, I love it. Uh, Jake. Uh, so, like Robert, uh, not a ton to go off of. So it was just, oh, he sort of looks like this Mrs. Cooper. My thought was Angelina Jolie. So we get okay. Mr. and Mrs. Smith reunion for Mr. and Mrs. Cooper. So that that's that's it. That was In a real thought. life reunion, right? Yeah. Can this be a surprise sequel to Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Okay. Please. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Give us all the money. Somebody found that for us. Nice. Um, I like Jake's idea of kind of like pairing the two together. So for Tom and Judy, let's just give them together. Um, okay. Robert, who are your Tom and Judy? Well, uh, yeah, I don't think this this is no Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie pairing. But uh, for Tom, I have Daniel Radcliffe. And that's not a bit. Um, I, I actually really like Daniel Radcliffe in Harry Potter and in everything else I've seen him in. He's got a nice versatile uh, ability in filmography. And I think he could play... You know, that kind of sure. wide-eyed, hopeful young guy that Tom is. For his counterpart, I'm doing uh, Morvith Clark, who plays Gladriel in the new Rings of Power show. Uh, she has done horror in the past with St. Maud, which is an incredible film. And uh, I think she could bring a bit more gravitas and personality to another female character in this movie who seems to be lacking both. mm Good call. Um, I don't know the actress you picked because I haven't seen Rings of Power yet, but I mean, good call on your assessment. Hmm. Um, all right. For my Tom and Judy, I thought a a young, scared, but also still like willing is kind of Tom's thing. Like he's clearly scared to go out, but he does anyway. Um, so I went yep. with Joe Carey, who is in um, Stranger Things as... What's his name? Steve. Steve Harrington. Um, I so. thought about putting him in that role, but I already had Sadie Sink, and I didn't want to get too stranger. 
thing to with my cast when this yeah yeah there was a couple of times where i had to like change a cast member because i didn't want it to be like i didn't want somebody to be like oh this is the stranger things reunion or this is the x other movie reunion uh because my judy i picked for alana heim and i very easily could have put her in the lead role of this film as well um so initially i was even like what if i put cooper hoffman as tom he's not a tom uh (laughs) and then again there's also the age difference um lots of things so we don't want uh, that discourse again (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean so again like giving giving the characters more to do um all of them but yeah i was just like yeah let's get a lot of hymen in here so great uh jake uh so i'm gonna start with um beauty just because it was the again the sort of like mrs cooper that's the one that sort of drove the pairing and this was the only this was the other one that i sort of came in like because i wanted this person sadie sink to just to be in a horror film together um and like you guys my writing is going to give this character a little more to do so i went uh jenna ortega uh, mm-hmm. For Judy, because I just want to see both their, both those two in a horror film, and those were the two female roles. So that's where they got put. Um, and so with Tom, the person I thought fit the vibe was Lewis Pullman, but since I'd already cast Jenna Ortega and really wanted that one in there, I had to not do that because it's a 10 year age gap and we're not doing that um (laughs) so uh i were we're making it a lesbian relationship make it make it here we go make it tammy whatever you want and we're going um (laughs) mod apatow uh because i really like her all right in um Euphoria and she fits that sort of earnest vibe that I think Tom's going. Okay. I get behind that. That's great. Um, great. Uh, all right. So I think that's where Jake stopped the fantasy cast. And then Robert's I, like, well, let's, well, let's throw yeah. on three more. Yep. Like, so, so we have three more for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so Johnny, the brother at the beginning, um, Robert, who is your Johnny? Uh, Barry Kagan. Keegan however you say his name. Uh, and that's based solely off on uh, him. The new Joker. Be... <laughs> right. That's based solely on him trying to be creepy for his sister in the graveyard. And if there's a little creepy piece of work, it's got to be Barry Kagan. Okay. Um, I want, the big thing I wanted was I wanted a young person to get that shock factor of, they wouldn't kill this person right away. Would they? Um, and mm. anybody that's seen the original knows they're going to, but I just wanted that. Surely they're not going to cast this person to just kill him off immediately. Um, but also has to be kind of in the same like age range. I mean, my wife pointed out that he doesn't really like share like genetic characteristics, but that stuff can always be changed like with wigs and makeup and stuff. <laughs> um, so I went with Harry Styles just because, you're going to get butts in the seat with Harry Styles and then you're going to kill him off quickly. And no, and no, no people, anybody who's seen the movie would know that's exactly what's coming, but 
everybody else. Not a clue. Yeah, you're gonna piss off all the Harry Styles. Yeah, you're gonna piss off all the Harry Styles fans <laughs> who are coming to see it for him and definitely have not seen the original. Well, then so, they'll be thrilled when he rips Melly Alcock apart <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> later in the movie. Uh, so, um, I was less concerned about Nate's gap here because actually, this is the first person I cast. Um, All right. Because I'm like, man, who's a person who I'd really dislike to see just immediately have their head smashed against a tombstone at the moment? And that person right now plays Sir Kristen Cole. I hate that guy. So we're going to give this to Fabian Frankel. So <laughs> Fabian Frankel's going to get gonna die right off the bat because he did so well with Sir Kristen Cole and I just want bad things to happen to him. So if we can't have it so if we can't have it happen to Sir Kristen Cole, we can have it happen to, you know, poor Johnny in this movie. Not yet at least to Sir Kristen, but yeah. One his head know. smashed but his brain not destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> No, just uh, I know. <laughs> uh, all right, so that leads us That's to Karen. Cool. This is the sick daughter who really only has one scene where she kills the dad and mom. Uh, yeah, I did Brooklyn Prince from the Florida Project and the movie Turning, which I never saw, but she was creepy enough in those freaking trailers. Um, so I think she could easily do, you know, the creepy kid face once she turns into a zombie or a ghoul. I'm sorry. Nice. Uh, my thought was. Um, I'm going to cast McKenna Grace because she's the cutest little girl ever and I want people to fear her now. <laughs> Isn't she like 15, 16? That was obviously yeah, that was obviously <laughs> my first choice, but I'm like, that's where everybody goes, so I can't you can't just say, we need a no. young girl in Hollywood, somebody call McKenna Grace. I didn't well, want to do that so no, I, the re- <laughs> no, but the reason why I picked her is because everybody's like, we need a young, cute girl in Hollywood. And now I'm like, I want a young girl in Hollywood that everybody thinks is going to be cute. And then she's going to kill her parents. <laughs> so the little girl from Gifted is going to kill her parents. Uh, anyway, Jake, who do you have? Uh, so I didn't want to do McKenna Grace. I didn't want to do the girl from The Black Phone because that was a horror movie I saw. Because, you know, she doesn't do anything. So I'm like, uh, go from the black phone to do better than this. Communicate with Jesus telepathically or something? I think he, I think he means in this movie. I meant in this movie. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> um, fi- listen, Firestarters, eh, but it's not Ryan Kira Armstrong's fault. So let's have her kill her parents. We'll do that. <laughs> in the movie, let's yeah. have her kill her parents. <laughs> Someone clipped that. Yes. Well, I'm, I think that's two castings in a row. I've, like, had people think, did he, like, real world violence? No. <laughs> of course not. Uh, 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 all right. So then the, the next one we'll do is the TV host, the news reporter that is giving all the exposition in this movie. Um, now that I think about it, you could, if you really wanted to cast everybody in this movie, we could have also done like the sheriff, but whatever, this is already enough. Uh, Robert, who do you have as the TV host? Uh, Jeremy Strong, based on his performance in the incredible 2019 film Serenity. <laughs> um, 
he, Jeremy Strong is great. Serenity isn't, but he plays like this weird little guy with like glasses and a suit. Um, and it gave off very much, you know, prim and proper TV show host vibes. And I want to see him do it again. Nice. My very first thought um, was find out whoever the news anchor was in Shaun of the Dead and bring him back. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> uh, but what I went with was what you guys did for uh, Mrs. Cooper, just who the person constantly reminded me of throughout mm-hmm. the movie. Um, and that's Stanley Tucci. Oh, that's so. a good one. Yeah, that's good. I like it. But only if yep. he dresses as Caesar Flickerman from Hunger Games. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking Andy's already done the TV thing. So you did sort of do it wrong. You're like, who have I seen do news? Yeah. Not that, that can be really. Jeff Daniels. <laughs> no, actually, I want to see him do his Caesar Flickerman character in his lovely bones uh, costume and, and facial hairstyle. <laughs> oh, my movie's going to be weird. <laughs> uh, good point. Jake, what about you? Uh, I did what Robert did. Seen this guy be newsman before. Did newsman real good. Uh, I went <laughs> David Strathairn. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. looks great. He plays Edward Murrow. So this sort of takes place around the same time. So we'll, we'll just put him in this movie. Okay. And for our last actor, uh, we have Dr. Grimes, uh, which Robert says is somebody that feeds information to the TV host, um, that he essentially pops in for half of a second. So, Robert, take it away. He looks like Josh Brolin in Hail Caesar, so I did Josh Brolin. <laughs> and there, there's, there's as far as I went. I saw him, I was like, is that Josh Brolin? Uh, so that's the only reason I felt like he needed to be added to this fantasy cast. Nice. Um, I just thought if you're going to have somebody pop in for half of a second, why not have it be Ryan Reynolds? He would do it for funsies. So on that logic, um, I should have done Matt Damon, but I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like the, the Ryan Reynolds one there. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And get a uh, nice little fourth wall break in there too. If you want, I don't care. Yeah, Whatever. My yeah. movie's a comedy now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as soon as you add Ryan Reynolds, that's what happens. At least. At least the news anchors are in a comedy and everybody else is in this like tense thriller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually Jake. added one. Oh, go. I, I forgot no. Jake didn't go yet. Yeah. No, go ahead. Uh, I did Creepy Doctor. Let's go Killian Murphy. Oh. Yeah. By, by the time this got expanded, I'm like, I remember <laughs> nothing about this man. So. Yeah, Jake was already too pissed off at everything else about the movie to remember Doctor yeah. Grimes. No, yeah, nobody else, nobody else who claims to be a main character got any development. How am I supposed to remember who this guy is? Oh my goodness, uh, Robert! You said you added one more. Yeah, I added one more. The guy at the end was that it wasn't the sheriff. It was like the leader of that little militia. The guy who shoots. I thought he was supposed to also be the sheriff. Okay, yeah. whatever he was, the guy who shoots Ben. Um, I just got Paul Walter Hauser vibes and I wanted to th- throw him in there. Well, you know what? Since you're casting him, I'm going to cast him as well. Uh, I'm going to cast, I'm going to cast as the sheriff 
And as the person that shoots, because I think it's the, it's a different person, because the sheriff just says, "Ah, just shoot him between the eyes," and mm-hmm. there he does. Let's go with the two hillbillies from Borat's subsequent movie film. The two real people, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I gotta oh. specify which ones. <laughs> the two people that take Borat in at the start of COVID. <laughs> what is more dangerous, the virus or the Democrats? Democrats. <laughs> Uh, if this is a the guy who popped into my head is actually dead but it's fantasy cast so let's resurrect him uh, I'm going to go with David Griffith aka okay. uh, oh. Uncle Vernon from Harry Potter mm-hmm. nice good call alright that just leaves us with writer and director does anybody have a combo like same same person for both I do not I do Okay, well, you're going first anyway. I do not. So, go for it, Robert. Uh, Who's your writer and director? Isn't isn't it Richard Griffiths, by the way? Uncle Vernon? Oh, what did I say? David. David? David, yeah. sorry. That's okay. I, did, I didn't pull up IMDb. I'm like, That's fine. Uncle Vernon. Um, I did pull up IMDb to see if I could find the guy's names, but... <laughs> uh, for my writer-director, I forgot that I needed to do that until we were having this conversation already. So I went to recent horror movies that I saw and I remembered that I liked barbarian a whole lot. So we're going to do Zach Greger, the writer and director of barbarian, um, which I thought was really solid, had good character work and it had good, you know, thematic commentary work too. So that means we would double down on the commentary work from the original out of the living dead and bring in some good characters or flesh out the characters a bit. Because I think they're already good. Nice. Um, I was going to pick a writer-director combo, but the movie that I was thinking of, the director did not write. So I had mm. to find writers uh, for this person to direct the script of. Um, so for my writers, I picked um, Luke Petrowski and Ben Collins. They wrote the script for The Night House, um, which is a film that I've talked about and I really loved. And it's kind of like contained psychological thriller and i think night of night of living dead as soon as you get to the house should become that also the vision that i have for this movie is actually seeing significantly less zombies than the movie shows us um i think as soon as they get into the house i don't want to see zombies until they leave the house and then when they come back in i don't want to see them until they're breaking in and killing people like i want it to be a lot more like contained paranoid 10 cloverfield lane kind of vibes um, so that's why I went with this writing pair for the night house. Uh, and my director, um, is I picked a uh, Helena rain from bodies, bodies, bodies. Um, again, so same leaning into the comedy. <laughs> well, I wasn't planning on it, but I was thinking bodies, bodies, bodies is a contained mm. tense film that also has a lot to say commentary wise. So let's, let's, you know, she she did it very well in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Robert and I both really like that movie. I don't but the know characters, Aaron. Yeah, uh, it was fun. I really liked it. I really liked it as well. And actually, uh, to start off my crew fantasy cast, we're going with one of the writers from Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Uh-huh. Uh, because, like, sort of along the same lines, get that 
somebody who can do the comedy, but also build out some of that character work. So I went with Sarah DeLapp, who's one of the writers for Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. But she also wrote a play called the, called the Wolves that my area theater just actually put on, which is the same sort of thing. It's about a, uh, soccer team, teenage soccer team that talks about, you know, a bunch of social issues as they're sort of warming up for various games. So she can give a little more dimension to the characters, especially our female uh, characters. And then she's got that, you know, ability to it with the social commentary. Um, and then if my director, if I can do my director, uh, I really like this guy's eye. Uh, that he recently shared off. And if it's a fantasy, I can clear his schedule. Uh, we're going Michael Giacchino. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think Werewolf by, Werewolf by Night was fun and fine, but what really stood out was like the directorial lie. I really liked that part of it. So I want to have him join Interesting. Nice. Um, I have one alternate that I really want to gauge Robert's opinion on. Um, yeah. Given the recent wave of, I haven't seen Barbarian, but it's now on HBO Max, so I will see it soon. Um, oh, yeah, it's really good. Like hit today. Um, yep. So, um, I thought about um, given Jordan Peele and um, the director of Barbarian, who's another more known comedian that maybe could take on a horror project. Um, and this person's not necessarily a comedian, but I kind of want to see what a horror film from this person looks like. So what do you think? Keep the same director, but what do you think about Cooper Rafe doing the script? Oh man. Um, do you want to do really sincere angst uh, set in a zombie world? Kind of, kind right. of, right? I don't like, think I've ever again, seen that before. So let's, let's see what it looks like. Well, again, I'm ta- I'm thinking very contained, very paranoid, um, yeah, very, yeah, everything. That's what I'm going like. I'm going for. I want I want you to feel like you do during rope. You know, there's going to be lots uh, of not traditionally masculine guys crying. Um, <laughs> that's what Cooper Rafe is really good at. Yes. I like the contained thing too. That was sort of part of my writer director crew as well. Is you know doing some little self yeah well that was one of the things i thought was do was this movie at any point ever conceived as a stage play because there's essentially one set i think what it comes down to is this movie had a very small budget so i think that's what it wound up coming down to uh and it kind of shows but it's also impressive to see what they did with such a small budget so uh you know no no negatives given there I, i like i said i think that just explains there's the graveyard scene and then the rest of it takes place at the house and you know on that property. So um, anyway. Uh, all right. So that'll do our fantasy casts. Um, real quick run through of your entire cast so we can hear and see your complete vision. Um, Robert, we'll start with you again since you gave off your first. Just top to bottom, who you got your, so we can get your energy. Uh, this is a different order than what we went through because I just had them ordered differently. Um, I'm going to change my Johnny on the fly. I'm going to say Donald Gleason as Johnny, Juno Temple as Barb, Toby Maguire as Harry Cooper, Anne Hathaway as Helen Cooper, William Jackson Harper as Ben, Daniel Radcliffe as Tom, Morvith Clark as Judy, Brooklyn Prince as Karen, 
Josh Brolin is Dr. Grimes, Jeremy Strong is a TV host, and Paul Walter Hauser as the guy at the end who shoots Ben in the face. Nice. Uh, I have uh, Harry Styles as Johnny, Barbara as Mal- uh, Millie Alcock, Ben as Brian Tyree Henry, The Coopers, Nick Cage, and Jamie Lee Curtis, Tom and Judy, Joe Carey, and Alana Haim. Uh, Karen is McKenna Grace, Stanley Tucci is our TV host, and Dr. Grimes is Ryan Reynolds. Written by the Nighthouse writers and directed by the Bodies, Bodies, Bodies director. Jake. Uh, Johnny, Fabian Franco, Barbara, Sadie Sink, Ben, Jonathan Majors, uh, Mr. Cooper, Brad Pitt, Mrs. Cooper, Angelina Jolie, Tom, uh, Maude Apatow, uh, Judy, Jenna Ortega, Katie, uh, was it Karen? I think it was Karen. Karen, mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Kira Armstrong, uh, newscaster David Strathairn, Dr. Killian Murphy, writer Sarah DeLapp, also Bodies, 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 and director Michael Giacchino. Nice. Well, there's our fantasy cast for if we were to make a movie, Night of the Living Dead, in 2023. I guess 2023 now. I mean, you know, if we're casting this movie... No, that I'm means... going to pull a Clint Eastwood. I'm having it done by <laughs> middle of December. I mean, with a contained story like this, you could. Oh, yeah. If everybody was able to get on set tomorrow yep. and well, set was just, yeah. you rented out an actual okay. farmhouse. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. So that'll just take us to the spinoff. Last thing real quick before we wrap up. What is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to recommend or warn? Jake, since you went last during the B plot, why don't you go first this time? Uh, so one of the since it's sort of a Halloween episode, one to stick with a horror movie. Uh, I rewatched one of my favorites last week, and it's back in the pop culture zeitgeist because there's a new TV adaptation that I'm not really interested in. But uh, the original adaptation of Let the Right One In is. Fantastic. Um, it is a Swedish film. Uh, there was also an American remake called Let Me In, uh, directed by Matt Reeves, uh, with Chloe Grace Moretz and Cody Smith McPhee. That one's fine, but this one, uh, the themes are a lot deeper. Um, it, it looks gorgeous. And, um, I just, it's a vampire movie. It's about this uh, young boy who befriends a vampire. And it is a vampire movie, but it puts all the sort of character work first. That her being a vampire is just a, you know. Incidental. Yeah. And it's really more about their relationship. It's a. Yeah, and it's a great coming-of-age horror movie. Uh, the one thing I'll say is be prepared uh, for a slower-paced movie because it is a little more... Um, it takes its time, but I think it's the better for it. So if you've you know seen something about the Showtime one, which goes into the book, I guess, more based on what the author said, the... Both the movies cut out a lot about the book, which I read after the fact that I didn't like. So I think this is a really good adaptation of the book. And uh, if you can, I'll go with the original. Okay. 
Nice. Robert, what do you have? Uh, I think I'm going to go with After Sun, which uh, premiered in New York and L.A. this past weekend. And I just happened to be in New York and I got to see it with fellows of pub writer Foster um, at the New York Film Center, I think it was called. Uh, it's really great. It's my number two movie of the year. If I watch it again, it could possibly overtake everything everywhere. Uh, I absolutely love it every time I think back on every time I've thought back on it in the last four days since I've seen it. Um, it's just gotten better. It's a movie about a dad who's in his early thirties with a daughter who's 11 years old, um, whose mother has custody. So he barely ever gets to see her, but he takes her on a, you know, on a cheap resort vacation. And it's told from the daughter's point of view. And it's all about, um, memory and maturation and regret and relationships and depression. Um, it's just really, really moving and really, really affecting. Uh, and the two leads, Paul Meskel and Frankie Corio are just incredible, both on their own, but even more so as a, uh, as a pair. This is one that I hope will continue to get talked about. It's an A24 release. So hopefully, you know, they, get it out there. Hopefully more people are able to see it. Maybe it gets thrown on HBO or prime or something like that. Um, yeah, this is really, really good. Um, after sun. Okay. Um, I haven't really checked out much of anything over the last week, so I'm writing a full review on it later. Um, as soon as it, it's one of those things, I'll do my first video game review for Sif Pop, but video games take longer to play than movies take to watch. So mm-hmm. I'll just give a little tease. Um, I've played very little of Gotham Knights, and I just, I'm such a big fan of the Batman Arkham series. And this feels so disconnected because oh, no. it is, but it doesn't need to be. Like it's, you could have taken the same combat system and literally nobody would have cared. Um, but it's different. And. It's kind of just okay so far. I mean, there's a reason why I haven't put too much time into it. I was so excited for it. I thought I was just going to beat it in like two days, like I did Arkham Knight, and that's not been the case. So I'm just I'm just saying, if you're one of those people that was really excited, really hyped for it, was willing to drop you know the 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 price for it as a brand new release, I'm just saying you can wait until Black Friday. That that's that's what my current spinoff is. But stay tuned to the site for my full review when I beat the game. What is it? It's Robin, Nightwing, Batgirl, and Red Hood. Do they yes. each have separate stories? No, it's from my understanding, it's the same story, but you only can play as one of the characters, and it eventually becomes co-op. Um, so you can play online with friends. Um, but I picked Red Hood because Red Hood is my favorite out of that bunch. Um, it's Tim Drake Robin, by the way, not Damian Wayne, and obviously not Jason Todd or Dick Grayson. Um, but um, I've, I've seen a lot of praise of people nail of, of them, them really nailing the tone of all the characters. But yeah, it's the story is Batman is dead. And by the way, he is dead. It was one of those things. I was like, I'm going to have to see him die mm-hmm. in order to believe that he's not going to show up in the third act. And he is dead in the opening cinematic. So 
Um, Batman is dead, so now naturally all the villains of Gotham are gonna just be like, "Hey, Batman's dead. Why? Why are we hiding anymore?" So now the four of them have to go, you know, take care of the city. And the Court of Owls is the main villain, and that should be so exciting. And it's it's not yet. <laughs> so. so you have to choose one character from the beginning, and you have to play the whole story as them. Like it's not like, all right, here's a Batgirl level, like with Arkham Knight, where it's like this one is a Batmobile level. I haven't yet got to the co-op portion. Okay. So I don't actually know. Okay. I think my understanding is you play as the same character the entire time. And then other characters can tag along with you for certain missions or whatever. Um, So I don't actually know, but I do believe since I selected Red Hood, I play exclusively as Red Hood. That is going to get a big oof from me. And I'll definitely be (laughs) waiting until of sale past black Friday to pick this one up. Yeah. And it's also exclusively available on next gen consoles. You can't play it on your Xbox one. It has to be series X or a PS five. I didn't even know that. I thought they were so, releasing it for. The they originally one. announced it that way, but about like six months ago, they changed it. And also a lot of people are upset because even though it's on the next gen console, it's only running at 30 frames a second. So, but it sounds not, like I'm not. There's, so there's no anyway. reason they, so there's no reason it couldn't be on Xbox One. Look, my my current opinion is you're probably saving some money by me telling you it's fine. I'll uh, definitely wait for your full review, but right now I'm glad that I'm like I don't feel like I'm missing as much anymore. <laughs> no, but stay excited for the Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League because this is this game is made by WB Montreal, Rocksteady Montreal which made Arkham Origins, which is right. a severely underrated game. Um, that game is awesome. Uh, it's it's the worst of the four, but it's still awesome. <laughs> um, Suicide Squad Killed the Justice League is the people that made Asylum City and Night okay. are making that one. Um, so stay excited for that one. I don't know if that'll be on current gen consoles. My guess is not. But anyway, um, my current review is just like... Next gen for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> they're finally available in stores but i mean they i just still cost 500 dollars. Yeah, yeah that's not the kind of money i'm looking to drop on a video game console at the moment <laughs> right so anyway that's just kind of my initial thoughts is you'll you'll get my full thoughts in the review but the the review might take a couple weeks because i already have a limited amount of time mm-hmm. and i'm not choosing to spend every waking moment playing this game yeah so this is slightly anyway, off topic but is Hogwarts Legacy still coming to Xbox One? Do you have any idea? Because that's the only other video game that I cared about was Gotham Knights and Hogwarts Legacy. You're not excited they... for the Lord of the Rings Gollum game? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just still holding out hope for an eventual Lord of the Rings Skyrim type. I think there was news of Hogwarts Legacy recently. I think it was just that it was pushed back. It got back. pushed not, back. Not that didn't... it's... It is still currently listed for Xbox One, uh, play February tenth. So, so it's it's now February, but you should still be able to play it on current gen consoles. I'm fine with waiting. So, I just I just want to be able to play it without spending six hundred dollars on a new system. Yeah, I'm really excited to play that one too. That one looks cool. So that's the one so, game that makes me wish I didn't sell my console. <laughs> I wasn't playing my my games anyway, so it went away. Yeah. Sure. Well, uh, that's a wrap. Remember, you can follow Robert and Jake at the um, handles that they gave below. 
Um, so I'll have those in the episode description if you want a quick refresher. You can also follow me on Twitter by, Twitter or Letterboxd at Schweik Castle. And quick reminder, Sif Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media. And if you're interested in writing for sifpop.com, or if you want to get in contact with us, maybe send us a question to explore during the B-plot, you can email writersroom at sifpop.com. And please don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcast if you're listening over that way. Next week, Joseph and Scott will be joining me. And the films that we've decided on is it'll be a Rick Moranis week. Because we'll be talking about Little Giants and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Hmm. Um, so that'll be, I'm really excited for for that. So Joseph and Scott next week, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And next month, Robert will be back to talk about Sherlock Jr. with me. Um, thanks, guys, for sticking around. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time, especially. I know it's later for you, Robert. On the yeah. Night, but. And if you're still listening, don't forget to drop... Uh movies that you want us to talk about on upcoming goats for us to vote on or for us to discuss yeah in the next cool. episode cool uh robert anything you want to say real quick before yeah I, stop the recording? I think i think before we stop recording i should uh probably just you know I, if i were to get anywhere i would probably say it's probably just time to get back to the writer's room <laughs> <laughs>